You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. And make sure to check out our live groups or small groups. This podcast is part of the series Family Matters with Doc Dino. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Thank you for coming out tonight. I'm here to do business with Jesus. Jesus wants us to do business with his word. A month ago, I thought this night was going to be something else. But like Pastor said this morning, God has his way and sometimes takes us in a different path, which reminds me to say to everybody, if you did not hear this morning's message, it's the essence of Christianity and who we are. Please listen to that. It was absolutely awesome. So the Lord wants us to continue on uh, marriage issues. And uh, what name of the talk tonight is marriage and love and, and how it applies to our families. And my wife reminded me that on the first two that we did, there were over a thousand hits on Facebook. So what I have to say tonight, if it doesn't apply to you, it's going to apply to somebody. I know that much. God hates divorce. I'm still stunned by the statistics in this state. 50% of marriages end up divorced, first-time marriages, and up to 80% of second marriages. None of us are immune. But in Mark, in the red, the Lord said, the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man, let not man separate. But we do. We're of a fallen nature. We become hard-hearted. And we end up with divorce. So I say to you tonight, the Lord is saying to you tonight, if you are married, stay married. I don't care what you're going through, stay married. We can fix that. If you're divorced and not remarried, can you reconcile? That happens. Can you reconcile and become what God wants you to become? And if you are divorced and remarried, despite 80% of those marriages falling apart, stay married. Stay married. We have choices in life. This goes all the way back into Deuteronomy 29:19, a command from the Lord. I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Marriage is a death. Whether it's even wanted or not, it's a death. People go through emotional turmoil when they're going through a divorce. It's a type of death. God is telling us to choose life, choose him, choose marriage, choose your children. If you're struggling, pray. Our Lord is a God of reconciliation. He's a God of reversal. He can reconcile anything, anything. I've heard stories of marriages that have 1% chance of making it and are just vibrant today. 
God is a God of reconciliation. So how do we get where we are tonight talking about all this? So two weeks ago, we talked about God creating the first family, Adam and Eve. And in Adam, he put the feminine and the masculine. And then he made Eve, created Eve, and took the feminine out. That's why she's unique. And they, Eve was deceived, Adam sinned, there was the fall of man into the cursed earth in our cursed nature, our sinful nature. But, but God, but God's plan for Jesus, the second Adam, and the resurrection. This morning, pastor said, the resurrection changed everything. And it has it's changed everything. It took all that and put us into the right relationship with the Father and showed us a better way. So, Malin, so Adam and Eve, Eve has the feminine, Adam obviously has the masculine. Opposites attract, which is why man is attracted to women, but opposites can also be in conflict. Can they not? Women tend to look at things differently than men. I've listened, I've asked, I've been taking, I've been talking to women about this the last couple of weeks, and they just comment how stupid we are. I'm not trying to get laughter tonight. I said that to Rita earlier. But, they, but women, women think we're stupid, the way we converse and the decisions we make. and They think we don't have it. And they're frequently right. <laughs> I mean, they are. When it comes to running a house, they run better than we do. But on both ends, male and female, husband and wife, we all fall short of the glory of God. So when conflict comes in, it can be exacerbated. Especially when it comes to family matters. None of us are perfect. We go to Ephesians 5, 21, 25. We read it last week. And I want to go there again. Submitting to one another in the fear of God, wives, submit to your own husband as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is submitted to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself to her. Strong, strong words for, t- for today's world. Extremely strong. We talked about the Old Testament where that was by dictatorship, by law. 
where men ruled over the women. In the New Testament, after the cross and what Jesus did, it's done by leadership and by love. A man is supposed to sacrifice himself to lead the family or his wife and his children. It's the way Jesus went to the cross. We ought to go to the cross, men, every day, and die to self. The five sins that keep us from maximizing our marriages, male and female, are lust, idolatry, sexual immorality, tempting Christ, and murmuring. And those, that's what kept the Israelites from maximizing their lives and entering the promised land. And if you read in 1 Corinthians 10.1, excuse me, that all these things happened to the Israelites as examples, and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. They brought catastrophe upon themselves because of those five sins. Total catastrophe. Paul writes, they were for our admonition as we go forward in life. So we're not going to focus on sin, on those sins. I'll let you read 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 11 at home and meditate on it. But I want to talk about love because a man leading the family and a woman submitting to a husband has to be in love on both sides. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. And I'm going to read the whole chapter because it can't be said any better than how Paul wrote it. That's the basis of our conduct. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up, does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know 
just as I am known. And now abide faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And without love, we have nothing. If there's no love in the marriage, you have nothing in that marriage. It will fail. The word that's used in the Greek in this is agape love. And it's kind of interesting, as I was studying this, that that word agape love in classical Greek was hardly ever used. It was almost never used. It's one of the least common words in classical Greek. It's a form of love which sees something infinitely precious in its object. And it's used mightily in the New Testament Greek. The other words for love is eros in the Greek. That's the courtship love that we talked about. That's when you're attracted to somebody's, their looks and their personality, and you're courting them. And we talked about the courtship going away. If that doesn't become agape love, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. But for some of us, the arrow still goes on. And we still are attracted to our spouses. I certainly am. I have both. Eros and agape love for my wife. But without agape love, it, you have nothing. Nothing at all. We talked about, it, uh, the world talks about platonic love. That's a form of eros without the attraction. And there's phileo, which is friendship love. Jesus, towards John, in the word, says that was phileo love. That's, that's how close he was to John. He just didn't have agape, God's love for him. He had a deep friendship with him. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, comes from phileo. But if we don't have agape love for our spouses, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. We don't have anything. The word says, abide in faith, hope, and love. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, our hope and faith, our faith is, our faith is, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. So things, it's the evidence of things not seen. Faith is what we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. It's what we aspire to in life for our families, for our wives, for our children. We have hope and faith for our families, for our wives, for our children in Jesus Christ because he will never fail us. But we have to have agape love. If you go to Matthew 22:37-38, the Lord says, "You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind, with agape love back to God." 
This is the first and great commandment. And the second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And love your wife as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And husbands and wives love each other with a godly love. If we don't have love, we don't have anything. All conflict is not sin in marriages. Statistics show that about half the marriages, almost half of the marriages that fall apart has to do with conflict and and spirits that separate that way. In disagreements, we have to make a choice in what we're arguing about. Or should we argue? I'm going to read out of the Amplified Romans 14, 23. Sometimes both sides are right. Why can't it be that way? A husband wants one thing one way and a wife wants it a different way. It doesn't matter if it's the kids, a vacation, money decisions, life. There could be disagreement. Why can't both be right? Why can't they be, it's not sin, it's not wrong, it's just a different perspective. But God says, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified in Romans, the second part of Romans 14, 23, For whatever does not originate and proceed from faith is sin. Whatever is done without a conviction of its approval by God is sinful. So men, when we think we're right, are we praying about it? Are we submitting it to God? Are we looking for God's approval? Or do we want our way? And that leads to conflict. Do we make decisions that hurt our spouses without praying about them? Does it get to the point that the couple needs counseling? There are so many disagreements. Nobody's wrong, but they all disagree. I'm sure you've all seen that. Both perspectives, right? No one's wrong, but they're in conflict. I'm not against counselors. I'm not against counseling. (laughs) But Isaiah 9.6 says Jesus is the wonderful counselor. (laughs) Isn't he? John 14.16, and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. The Holy Spirit. I think he can adjudicate everything. And in the same chapter, 1426, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Sometimes we say too much, trying to be right. We sometimes say too much. We try to justify ourselves. We get away from 1 Corinthians 
chapter 13, don't we? If we all lived in that chapter, we wouldn't have any divorce. If we all lived in 1 Corinthians 13, be no divorce. We say too much at the wrong time, and we say too little at the right time. We say too, we say too much at the wrong time, at the right time, and we say too little at the wrong time. There are things we need to say in how we love our spouses and how we're trying to not have conflict. We don't say that enough. We try to puff ourselves up. We try to be right. Words can be hurtful. Once words are out of the mouth, you can't take them back. We need to commit those to prayer. We need to hear from God. Being right doesn't make it right. Being right about something doesn't make it right. Is the conflict worth it? Is it worth it to hurt your spouse both directions? How about husband and wife praying over it? But that would be unique, wouldn't it? In the middle of an argument, just to stop and pray. Prayer produces intimacy. It's, it's ministry. It's intimacy. You become intimate to the one you pray to, God. For the one you pray for, each other. And you become intimate with the one you pray with. Couples that pray together have more intimacy. That's been studied. That can get people into trouble, too. Men in leadership who pray with women without, by themselves, who could have an attraction, can lead to bad things because it produces intimacy. So you want to know why there's so much infidelity in the churches around the United States? That's one of the reasons. But prayer produces intimacy. So we need to, live, we need to walk in forgiveness. Um, we need to pray over our decisions. We certainly need to walk in forgiveness for what's happened. We can't change that. But there are some things that are going to happen that you're arguing about. Can we walk in forgiveness in that? So we talked about the power of sex is with the woman. Talked about that. Everybody thought that was funny. That's true, and it is true. But the power of arguing is with the man. We can stop all arguments. We can forgive. We can forgive even if your wife's going to do something wrong, man. You can forgive them. And I'm not saying as a general practice, I'm just throwing it out there. Is it worth living in conflict? Because God will work it all out. The Lord will work it all out. I'm not the perfect husband. I'm not the perfect father. But like David, 
I have a heart after God. So when I mess up, and I do, God will fix it. Fixes it for me, he'll fix it for you. But the place of power is the place of unity in a family. And the worst thing that can happen is disagreement. There's no power going forward in God. And the worst thing that can happen is arguing in front of your children. I've done that. I'm sure you all have done that. And I've had to ask forgiveness. All it does is show the children there's no power in the family. Never, never, never argue in front of your children. And if you do, ask forgiveness. Be a man. Be strong in God. You could be upset. Men, we could be upset with our wives. They want to do something we don't agree with. Or they could have done it, even though we said don't. If you don't have a goat to be gotten, nobody can get your goat. If you don't have a goat to be gotten, nobody can get your goat. You just say, what? so what? I don't have to be right. It's walking in peace, trusting God. I know we talked about the bait of Satan a lot. Obviously, God's not done on that work here in this body. Matthew 6, 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. The Lord's Prayer. And just to emphasize it, and it's in the red, it's the words of Jesus. At the end of the Lord's Prayer, he says it again. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father Forgive your trespasses. So it's, it's, it's said twice. Matthew 18, 22. Peter was bragging about forgiving somebody seven times. And the Lord said, no, Peter, 70 times seven. And at the end of chapter Matthew 18, the Lord gives the parable of the unforgiving servant. The servant who was forgiven much, but wouldn't forgive somebody little. And he says, and his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father will also do that to each of you from his heart, if from his heart he does not forgive his brother his trespasses. That's what unforgiveness leads to. What else does unforgiveness lead to? Let's just say, oh Lord, I didn't forgive him, but forgive me because if I ask for forgiveness, you'll forgive me and I'll be fine. 
I mean, we have guys that rationalize anything. We're good at that. Let's go to uh, John 20, chapter 20, 22. We're going to talk about the uh, principle of release, how it affects families, affects, forgets us. The Lord said, receive the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit, you can't forgive anybody. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Forgiveness releases us from the sins of others. You ever wonder why drug addicts Sons, sons of parents who are drug addicts become drug addicts. They don't forgive their parents of their drug addiction. They become, you become what you hate because you retain the sin. Children who are abused, abuse. If you give anyone their sins, they are forgiven released. And if you do not, they are not forgiven. They are retained. You retain what you do not release. You retain what you don't forgive. Parents often wonder why they treat their children in a certain way, the way they were treated. They sometimes vow, I'll never treat my kids the way my mom treated me in a certain way. And they do. They didn't forgive their mother, how their mother treated them. It's a retained sin, so it comes right down to the next generation. Can we stop with this generation? Can we look at our hearts? Can we look at our parents? Can we look what we've been through from anybody? Sins go from generation to generation. They need to be released. They need to be stopped by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the blood of Jesus can we forgive. If not, you become what you hate. Simply put, you become what you hate unless you forgive it. And there's no way you can raise children with that in your heart, unforgiveness towards parents. You will treat them the same way, whether you want to or not. It's a kingdom principle. It doesn't matter if it's a mother, father, sibling, husband, wife, relationships. It all needs to go. And you all need to say, it's stopping with me. I'm not holding that anymore. I've heard... Christians say they have trouble releasing. They have trouble forgiving. They're working their way through that. They're damaging themselves, nobody else. And that's being carried on somewhere else. Forgiveness is the essence of mercy. Mercy is the essence of grace. Grace is the essence of love. And love is the essence of holiness. You're not holier than thou if you don't forgive. 
You, don't, you can come to church all you want without forgiveness. God knows. God knows. Psalm 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a, a reward, like the arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. God loves children. God wants us having children. Children are a blessing. Parenting, parenting is learned. <laughs> it's hard. It's our love for our children is in us, but parenting doesn't come that easy, does it? And if it does for somebody here, I want to hear about it. <laughs> I mean, God's word is the sole source of our faith and the absolute rule of our conduct. And a man's name is as good as his word. His word is as good as his character, just the way Jesus' word is as good as his character. But when it comes to our kids, children don't know the difference between a broken promise or a lie, do they? We promise X, Y, and Z for our kids, but don't do it. Fathers who punish their children for not keeping their word when they are guilty of the same are only teaching their kids not to get caught. Children do what, don't do what you say, they do what you do. They imitate you. You can teach them all they want, but when they see your behavior contrary, they will imitate you. And then it goes from you to them to the next generation. Words have power. Words have an enormous amount of power. Home life has to have intimacy, discipline, and love. Intimacy is a showing of love to your children. Discipline, it has to be based on love, not punishing. Discipline without love is law. And it's just legalism. And all it does is embitter children. We all think, men, that we know a lot about relationships. We don't. That was given to the women. That's why they're unique. We need to learn from them. Boys learn from their fathers, and when they mess up, they're, they're corrected by their mothers. Men, boys learn from their fathers, and when their fathers fall short, the women step in and help us. Ministry is what family life's about. 
ministering to one another. Prayer is ministry. Family life is ministry. We serve one another. The woman in the home is an administrator. How do I know that? Because I'm married to a Proverbs 31 wife. That's how I know that. Turn to Proverbs 31. So Proverbs 31.10, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her so he will have no lack of gain. And the rest of the chapter goes on about how she administers the home. How she runs the home. How she takes care of the children, takes care of the husband. Verse 28, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Man, we are to love our wives the way God commands us to love him with all our heart, all our mind, and all our soul. And if we do that, walk in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to stay married. I promise you that. Because God's word never fails. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. Make sure to rate the podcast and share with your friends. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. We have something for all ages or online at 10 a.m. Make sure to check out our live groups or small groups.